Wow, I think we're finally going to be able to record an episode without some sort of odd interruption. Well, that's good, because we have a big episode. <sighs> Young me and Christy, I'm going to have to interrupt for a second. We've got a problem. <sighs> what is it now? After the discovery that your kiddos are the two mutant messiahs, a new timeline has branched off. I need to send you to explore the new timeline while I guard the kids to see what we might be headed towards. Aren't you a little bit better at this sort of thing? Well, sure, but uh, I've got a souffle in the oven. And uh, uh, protecting the kids and all that. They're going to start to wonder why you look so much like their dad. Okay, well, send us on our way. Time shoot by two. Go! Oh, wow. This is a strange world. The sun is shining, birds singing. And there's tons of people walking around with trays of unlimited breadsticks. Breadsticks. The dipping sauce is extra, of course. Don't mind if I do. Hey! Christy, we can't take this, don't you see? It's the Gospitaliano future. The noodly cult has taken over. We can't stay or we're gonna become... family. You don't want to become family. That is aberrant and not compatible with her word. Her word? Oh no. There, there she is. Up on the screen. Hello, my family. Won't you please join me in pausing for a moment? This is a reading from the Gospitaliano. Reverse me? How is she here? Okay, Christy, we have to get back home. We're in some serious danger, but... But what? I, I, uh... I don't know how to use the time thingy. What? Don't worry, I'm sure we can come up with something somewhere here. Uh, let's hide real quick and, um... Uh, talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to part two of three of Messiah Complex. This is the delicious gooey center. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like I need a cookie now, and I think that's your fault. <laughs> it's true. And this is not quite double stuffed, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man, do you think, like, our UK listeners are, like, gooey cookies? Like, this American baking stuff is just awful. Uh, maybe, but gooey cookies are clearly superior. Sorry, UK listeners. <laughs> you guys can keep your, your snap. <laughs> well, readers, in case you're following along, we're covering the middle four of this crossover, so we're doing 544. This is this is a bit of a doozy, but it's weirdly decompressed. So I think we could probably uh probably we probably don't have to rush or anything. Mm -hmm. We can get right into the summary. Yeah. Well, and if you didn't listen to the first part, I'm not sure why you're listening to this part, but if you didn't listen to the first part, this is a patron request. Oh, that's right. From patron Charlie Davis. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie went to patreon.com slash Chris's on Infinite Earths. And uh, donated at the $10 a month level for six months, which forced us, absolutely forced us to do this crossover. That's actually something at the five, the $5 uh, for six month level. Charlie also has a pending permanent accolade to give us, but they have not done so yet. I'm calling him out. <laughs> Charlie, send us that accolade. Yeah. And uh, you guys must be pretty excited for uh, some of the promises that chris made a couple episodes back in terms of our uh, patreon because we've had a couple people like up their levels and we've had a new patron that yes. we forgot to shout out last episode That's probably because we so much enjoyed uh reading a review welcome robert secundus who is a new patron yeah thank you rob but what christy is 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 alluding to is the fact that we are at 26 dollars a month and if we hit the $30 a month level, we will do a bonus episode where we cover Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yep. That was what was promised. We will even do accolades for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We'll, we'll have to. We have to. <laughs> so we're pretty close. 
We are. And then we'll we'll shoot for that $50 a month level and cover the Muppet Holiday Special. Although that's going to very soon become not relevant. So I guess we'd have to... I, I feel like getting to that level would be a decent ways away. Maybe it'll be... Maybe we'll be there by this time next year. That's true. <laughs> uh, Baby steps. Christy also promised at $100 a level... Or at $100 a month, we would do a bonus series on Watchmen. No, I promised that I would read Watchmen. No, you we have to podcast about it, Christy. <laughs> okay, I guess we would. <laughs> Luckily, that is years, years down the Maybe that's why future me doesn't do comics podcasting anymore they, in they our did, story. They read Watchmen and they were just like... <laughs> they're done. They're done. All right. Well, Christy, are you ready to get into this week's summary? Yeah, summary. Uncanny X-Men, number 493. Written by Ed Brubaker, penciled by Billy Tan, inked by Danny Mickey and Alan Martinez, colored by Frank Darmada, lettered by Joe Caramagna, edited by Nick Lowe, Will Ponzo, and Axel Alonzo. Wolverine and the Antarctic crew fly back the gravely injured Nightcrawler, but are concerned about the radio and telepathic silence from the mansion. At the Xavier Institute, all the telepaths are down and everyone is fighting for their lives against the newly taken over Sentinels from one. Mystique and Sinister plan to leave Antarctica. I, I mean, it's awfully cold. And Sinister is pleased to find out that Cable is acting alone and thus easy to intercept. Cable and the baby are on the run and reference a predator. Dust prepares to enter one of the Sentinels to see what the heck is up, and suddenly Iceman and the new X-Men return, smashing one of their jets into a Sentinel. Dust discovers the men inside the Sentinels have been turned via Nano-Sentinel into yet another kind of Sentinel, and X-23 dispatches one. The other escapes. Cyclops and Wolverine debrief. Bishop has been sent to one. Cable is the suspect in wielding nano-sentinels, and thus, Cyclops is sending X-Force to bring him in. X-Factor number 26, written by Peter David, penciled by Scott Eaton, inked by John Dell and Andrew Hennessy, colored by Frank Darmada, lettered by Joe Caramagna, and edited by Nick Lowe. Professor X and Cyclops have an argument about Scott's decision to send a kill squad after his own son. It culminates in Scott telling Professor X to basically buzz off. In the snow, Cable and the Beb are being chased by the Reavers. They scrap as Cable deftly keeps the baby safe, I guess. But Cable is very outmatched by the Reavers. A mutant named Peepers calls up X-Factor for help as he is being chased by Predator X. The mutant hunting creature runs him off the road and, uh, well, things don't go well. In the future, Layla and Madrox ambush some human guards because they need some info. Madrox really beats one of them up, angry that the future never seems to be great for mutants. The humans tell Madrox that even the word mutant is monitored by the government and that the camps were brought upon mutants by themselves. X-Force heads back to Cooperstown, where they infiltrate the hospital for clues. Warpath isn't thrilled about working against Cable and bristles against Wolverine. X-Factor, specifically Terry, discovers the corpse of Peepers and is horrified, wondering what could have possibly done that. Midway through investigation, Caliban discovers his tracking powers are back, and they quietly escape to the Blackbird. Back in the future, the humans definitely weren't lying. More bad guys show up and snag Madrox, who insists Layla is not a mutant. Well, Layla says she is anyway, and they both get captured. New X-Men number 45, written by Chris Yost and Craig Kyle, penciled by Umberto Ramos, inked by Carlos Cuevas, colored by Edgar Delgado, lettered by Dave Sharp, and edited by Nick Lowe. The Reavers taunt Cable with his impending death, but Cable tells Lady Deathstrike to look behind them. X-Force to the rescue! In the future, Layla and Madrox are taken to the detention center, where they are processed. Lady Deathstrike fights Wolverine, but someone wants a piece of her. X-23. Back at the Xavier Institute, everyone is stable after some operations, but Surge blames herself for the near-death experience Hellion has had. Emma tells Surge that she was picked to lead the new X-Men for a reason, and that was that Surge would protect them no matter what. 
Cyclops and a team of X-Men prepare to leave to back up Wolverine and X-Force. X-23 barely manages to beat Lady Deathstrike, claiming revenge for gravely wounding Hellion. One of the Reavers mentions to Wolfsbane before falling off a cliff that Reverend Craig told him about her. Reverend Craig is her dad. Warpath chases after Cable, but a Reaver shoots at his back, only for Caliban to jump in the way. Wolverine yells at Warpath to stay on Cable, but Jimmy can't leave his dying pal. And that wily Cable runs back to where X-Force came from and snags their plane! X-Men number 206, written by Mike Carey, penciled by Chris Piccolo, inked by Tim Townsend and John Seibel, colored by Brian Reber, lettered by Corey Pettit, and edited by Nick Lowe. In the future, Madrox and Layla's heads are roughly shaven before being led to separate areas. Madrox is confronted by a man named Marker Whitman, who has tons of needles. Cyclops and the X-Men find X-Force, where Caliban has recently died. Cyclops, ever the man on the mission, has them take Caliban's body with them, as Psyche has a plan to find Cable without Caliban or Emma, whose powers are murky when trying to find Cable. Prodigy, who has unfortunately lost his very cool learning powers, has at least been granted the stuff he learned while he still had his powers by the Stepford Cuckoos. He fixes up Cerebra, and Surge gives it a little power. Cable and the babe steal a Mack truck and head for Dallas, and Forge is eerie. In the future, the Marker has tattooed Madrox with a DNA-inked M on his face. An incredibly painful process. Then he is sent to the yard and meets a man with a really rough-looking face. On the Blackbird, Warpath mourns his friend Caliban, and Cyclops grapples with the thought that Cable possibly unleashed Sentinels on them. Cerebra is fixed, which means the Cuckoos have found Cable. The X-Men change course and head to Intercept. Cable crashes the truck into the Eerie, telling Forge he really needs a time machine. He finds Forge bleeding on the ground, before Cable is taken out as well. And as we close our issue, the baby is on the ground, and standing above them is Bishop with gun drawn. All right. Wow. So I feel like our story really takes a turn. It does. This is uh, this is one of those crossovers where there's a very clear three act structure. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is definitely the end of the 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 act two of the Uh Mm -hmm. the story. It leaves me wondering, like, what all Bishop is uh, responsible for. Yeah. I'm like, I, I know Cyclops said, hey, put out the call for anybody in the area to get there real quick. And I'm like, did Bishop just get there real quick? Or did, did Bishop mess up Forge? It's kind of funny because Bishop doesn't have a huge role before this. So the foreshadowing is like almost not present. Right. I mean, aside from, Him, like, I guess. going to C1. And the M. I mean, Bishop having the right. M. A lot of people have weird mutiny tattoos. Rachel Gray gets has hound tattoos. All the, okay. If you're in an alt or a bad future, at some point you get a terrible tattoo. Right, but it just his M just looked a lot like oh yes the it, M's that Layla and Madrox got. They specifically are based off of bishops. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, readers that have read all of Messiah Complex, you're probably just like yelling at me or or laughing at my my musings here. But yeah, it's a. Uh... Kind of the the big cliffhanger. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I mean, it, it, that gets me. I mean, we, I feel like we've had big cl- cliffhangers very much. Three-act structure. structure. Mm-hmm. We've had big, big cliffhangers at the end of each of our arcs that we've done on these episodes. True. It was like, Cable grabbed the baby. Oh, it was Cable. Yep. Bishop's after, after Cable and the baby. Yep. And we really don't know Cable or Bishop's motivations. Aside from now, we kind of know that cable seems to want to time travel with this baby right and he's not like after the x-men per se right but whatever he's doing he doesn't want them involved right or thinks that they would they would do something to stop him or something like right. that. right but do you think like cyclops that that cable was the one responsible for the nan with the nano machines no yeah i don't think so either i imagine like whoever whoever Shot up Forge. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they were manipulating Forge. I feel like, I, like Bishop shot up Forge. 
Are you sure? Are we sure it's Bishop? Mm, I think so. I don't know. I just wanted to believe the best. <laughs> Everyone's good. It's an X-Men comic. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, I mean, like, is there another entity that we're not thinking about that's responsible for the the nano sentinels? Well, probably not. Um I think I think every everybody's on the table at this point. It's been a long time since I've read Messiah Complex. I knew Bishop was the I remembered that Bishop was kind of the bad guy, but I can't remember how it resolves, so we'll have to oh. I mean, I remember some of the fallout, but it gets kind of wild. There's a lot of interludes in this. Like they've got a lot of little mini stories that they're kind of shuffling around. Well, yeah, they do all seem pretty interwoven, even more so than they did in our first arc here. Uh, yeah, they're we... they're getting more so. Except for the Predator X stuff is is like only very slightly getting interwoven. Like Terry finds the peepers. Right. I just I feel like it had to be in there so we didn't forget it because I feel like Predator X is gonna you know come back to bite. Uh, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> so like we can't we can't forget about him. Predator X kind of looks like a shark that's on land, but not quite a land shark. Predator X is drawn a little differently depending on the artist. Predator X kind of looks like a blue eyes white dragon from Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. I'm mm, sure they've got a shark <laughs> dinosaur chasing them. A sharkosaur. <laughs> so you know what? You want to know the interlude that I really wanted to see? What? So remember how in our first act, Nightcrawler takes out one of the most powerful uh, acolytes, Exodus, by just teleporting him to Antarctica. <laughs> I want there to be the Exodus interlude where he's just like, well, gosh darn it, I'm in the snow. Because <laughs> he's hard, he's really hard to kill, but I'm just like, well, what's he doing? What's Exodus doing? I'm sure they picked him up. <laughs> Someone picked him up. I think he can fly, so I'm, I don't know how, how long that would really hold him. I love Exodus. I He's he's kind of boring in some ways, but he's also kind of cool in others. He's super old. Mm. Um, I also liked that in Hawkspox, he was telling the children campfire stories. I thought that was delightful. There's like one panel of him doing it, and it's it's lovely. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I feel like I was pretty satisfied in all of the different perspectives that we got. Yeah, I keep I'm shocked with how tight this is. Now the art differences are still like driving me completely bonkers, but yeah. at this point, I think I'm so numb to it because we've done so many crossovers that it's whatever. Right, right, and this is not one of the best on babies. <laughs> I've ever seen. Christy, give us give us your, your, your baby spiel. Okay. So you're an artist, right? And when you don't know how to do it something you know, when you when you draw something, you look at reference images. Right? You do that for all sorts of things. You just do it for regular people and stances and things. There's no way that you look at a reference image of a baby of the appropriate age. Which is one or two days old. Yes, and come up with the art that we've seen. That ranges from tiny adult man to, like, I don't know, the baby from Boss Baby. Like, (laughs) that (laughs) seems like fully in control of all of his limbs and his head with enormous goo-goo-ga-ga eyes. Which, stylistically, sure, but a one- to two-year-old, like, they sleep most of the time. They can't lift their head. Yeah. uh, The baby's facing away from Cable, which I'm like... Right, that is not not an approved carry. You have to... You cannot forward face a... Two-day-old infant. Their, their heads would just flop, flop forward. forward. They would have no control. It's mutant baby. I no, no. Uh, imagine Alec Baldwin voicing this baby. Cable, cable. Uh, I have to meet <laughs> with my associates. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, boss, baby, and cable. <laughs> Time slides are for closers. <laughs> oh, sorry, readers. If you uh, don't have children and I haven't have not... seen Boss Baby ten times, <laughs> more than ten, oh, this gosh. may be lost on you. But uh... I've seen Boss Baby so many times, <laughs> an embarrassing amount of times. Oh. No, it's. <sighs> I mean, artists just there's so many pictures of infants on the internet. Like, there's no reason that you can't find a reference image of an infant. Look, terrible baby art is a tried and true historical fact. 
you've seen Renaissance paintings. They just shrunk down grown men. Yeah, but they also didn't have, like, Google image search. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but if you Google image search images of a baby, it's all just medieval stuff. There's no pictures of babies on the internet. We know that. Right. It's illegal to photograph your baby. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Babies are like vampires. If you (laughs) photograph them, you don't get an image. Uh, Nobody could get a baby to pose for a painting. That's why they were tiny adults. That's 100% true. Uh, There are some funny pictures, though. There's like one where the baby's chest is like halfway out of the carrier and their (laughs) arms are out. I'm like, absolutely not. Right? That's a Tiny Toons baby. And like, definitely like the baby looked like it was having reactions, like animated reactions in its face Mm -hmm. to like battles and things that were going on around it, which like if a baby had a reaction at that point, it might might at two days that would be very rare for them to maybe have a smile as like they dreamed or passed gas or they're screaming like those are their reactions startle reflex i remember startle was pretty common like mm-hmm. if you shifted them and they freaked out they would startle the baby hold his own freaking bottle <sighs> yeah that's not a thing <sighs> you can't even give a baby a bottle early on can you no you can can you pretty quickly i don't know we didn't do bottles until a, like a long time later yeah. So I guess I don't know. That's 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 a blind spot for me. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I guess but the baby wouldn't have, have wouldn't have been able to hold and support the whole bottle by themselves. No, definitely not. You'd have to give the baby the bottle. They they're so bad with their hands that early. They can't do anything. No. They sit and they stare at their hands as they try to like grasp or get their hand where they want it to be. It's, and they cannot do it. It, it's like somebody who's had like a stroke or something and then is trying to like learn how to move everything again because the babies are trying to learn how to move for the very yeah. first time. Yeah. No, no, no shade to babies or anybody. It's just literally what happens. Right. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> mutant baby. That's the, that's my, that's the only excuse I got. Oh, wow. Yep. It is what it is. Cause they, they did specifically say this baby manifested. Upon birth. So this is an unusual baby. Maybe this really is a boss baby. <laughs> you know, he's after, got his special formula. <laughs> you know, after you beat a, a baby level, you have to fight the boss baby. <laughs> oh. We probably need to get off a of baby talk here. Yeah, our readers are like that. Like, are very disinterested in babies. Like, have already skipped this episode. Yeah, it's gone now. Um, <laughs> Did you like the cool fight that between the sentinels that were just completely like splintering the the house? It was I mean it was a lot. It was it felt really devastating. Um the whole just witnessing like the whole mansion being destroyed and I don't know. It was I feel like there's a lot of bummers, a lot of downs. Like the X-Men just keep, getting, keep getting kicked. kicked. <laughs> and you really want them to and then they get kicked to get the the it's it's the end of like the fight in the movie where you really like expect all right they've really been beaten to a pulp but they're the protagonist so they're gonna get up and they're gonna give it one more good socket to them and it's just like no they get kicked again and they're down and uh, yeah who would insure the mansion at this point Mm-mm. yeah um, I liked the appearance of gentle oh yeah yeah yep it's it's fun everybody got a punch in everybody did get a punch in this was this was very much like. The X-Men equivalent of, like, a Lord of the Rings fight, where it keeps flashing to other people getting to do their cool thing for a sec. Yeah. Uh, Just going in and discovering the Sentinel, that, I I felt like that was, that was really cool. I've never read Dust, and I'm like, oh, what a really useful bit of powers. I'm like, also, what, why would you shoot at Dust? Could you shoot at Dust when Dust is, like, Dust? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) What would you hit? Yeah, that's that sounds like an incredibly useful power in a fight, especially if you can like quickly solidify parts of yourself. Yeah, I feel it's very, actually it's very, now I'm mad. I feel like there was missed combat opportunities with dust. Well, no, it's not missed combat; it's dust combat. Oh, oh, that was bad. <laughs> she has like very Kitty Pride powers. Yeah. Like it is, it is not dissimilar from that, which is why like it didn't seem like a completely mean thing for Scott to go like, "Hey, get in there and see what's going on," because she seems like probably basically mm-hmm. impervious to harm. How do you feel about Scott's leadership in this? He is a man against the wall at this point, and it is that is his characterization. 
when he talks to, to Captain Picard, I'm sorry, when he talks to <laughs> Professor Xavier, he is definitely like slightly unhinged, but I mean, like he doesn't seem able to listen to anybody's advice. No, but Emma's like here for it. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a great thing. I'm not super confident in Cyclops' leadership at this point. He hasn't made any decisions that have completely bit him yet, except for maybe sending the whole X-Force crew out kind of like only kind of the way cocked. Right. Like, I just feel like this is one of like those video games where you could have done like stealth mode or fight mode, and he went fight mode. Like... Yeah. <laughs> no attempt at stealth mode. Let's be real. None of us do stealth <laughs> mode. <laughs> Wait, have you played a video game where you could do fight mode or stealth mode? Oh, I haven't played. I'm aware of their existence. I didn't have not played them. Interesting. What? That I can be aware of things that I don't like partake I in? I just, I just thought you were, you had your finger very far from the video game falls. Oh. I, I- you just don't talk about it very much. Well, sometimes I listen to things you say. our readers are now like are christy and chris fighting (laughs) chris talks about a lot of stuff readers like a lot of stuff i literally never shut up (laughs) (laughs) um i kind of skimmed over it but in the x-factor art Holy heck, is is the basis of Professor Xavier literally pictures of Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we've complained about baby art. I, it's not it's not, it's not a complaint. Yeah, this doesn't you, bother me. It's just, like, very apparent. But you're reminding me again of another gripe that I have about the art, which I think that we have we mentioned in the last episode. But can we please stop making the preteen and teenage mutants sexy and tearing their clothes off of them or leaving them like mostly naked yeah there's a bit where x-23 fights lady deathstrike and lady deathstrike like claws her from like basically like below her belly button like up her chest but it heals really quick so she's just like this teenager with like her clothes nude from neck to navel right like a strip yeah right down the center so i mean basically her costume got made into like emma's like from. a super V-neck, <laughs> but not a V. Just Oh, yeah, it's literally like Emma's from the Bendis run. Right. Yeah. No, it's It's that. Uh, stop sexualizing <laughs> the children, please. X-23 is young. We try not to sexualize her. <sighs> okay. So I've gotten that out of the way. We've, we've, we've gotten the Captain no, Picard. Nobody's drawn young enough except for maybe Layla. Le- and Layla is drawn, I think, the youngest whenever... Ramos draws her. Yeah, and she looks super like super young. She is like a tiny. I said Tiny Toons baby. This is like a Tiny <laughs> Toons child, <laughs> like yeah. the big head, small body thing. Yeah, yep. And super, super big eyes. And yeah, it's just it, it's just a style. But yeah, she looks like extra young. Whereas, like, I feel like how she's normally drawn is maybe how the other teens should just be drawn. Yeah, she's like I, th- she thirteen. I can't remember. She's between 11 and 13, I think. And most of the time when people do, when the artists kind of have more of a realistic style, they mm-hmm. kind of draw her in like a appropriate way. Mm-hmm. And then, and even like a bunch of the new X-Men are, I feel like drawn in a, in a semi, semi-appropriate looking way. Except what like, Ramos definitely draws the teenagers like kind of sexy. Like how teenagers want to photograph themselves. Probably, and then <laughs> like how teenagers just want to like look. Layla's like a look. little kid, but I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see no sexy kids. No sexy kids, please. We're placing a ban on sexy kids. <laughs> Make babies look like babies and children look like children, please. Yeah. Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> Frankly, Cyclops could be sexier. <laughs> Uh, I oh I can't remember which issue it was that we got him in a towel. Uh, with that was good. Arc. That was a good yeah. good decision. There we go. Yeah, you gotta you gotta put you gotta put some dudes in towels. <laughs> is is the X? I want to talk about the X Factor part a little bit. Is sending someone to a, a sad future just completely unnecessary at this point, or do you think that it's good to be part that it's part of this? As far as the stories are concerned, it is, to me, the most withdrawn from the rest of the story. Okay. 
Because to me, I thought somehow it was going to link up with what Cable was trying to do. Um, and it might. It's just, it's it's odd right now. Right. It doesn't seem to fit in with the rest of what's going on. And it seems to unnecessarily, like, torturing a dupe and, you know, Layla, who wasn't supposed to be there. But it's just, it's just bad. It's unfortunate. I w- I'd like to see how it ends. I don't know. It feels really exploitative. It kind of does. Peter David, the... As Charlie would say, the two-time GLAAD award winner, <laughs> Peter David, sometimes makes some sort of questionable choices. But he has he has really punchy dialogue, I think, is is the, the strength of Peter David. Right. Two-time GLAAD award winner. Once, he's, he's a... I mean... But I think you're right. There's This is the run, that this X-Factor run, was where Terry gave birth to a son that was Madrox's kid and it turned out to actually just be a kid of one of his dupes and when he picked up this kid the kid just absorbed into him and that was like that was it it was like this whole pregnancy storyline and then it just ended that way yeah so like (laughs) there's just a lot of things that seem to be like there to be like whoa I don't know so it also calls into question like should like no, would what they find out in the future change what they would do with this baby? Um, like what sort of information to, to, do they hope right. to get that would like what 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 would they do differently? They're gonna like off the baby if the future's real bad. Like I don't know, Cyclops is in a mood, so maybe. I just I feel like that's really unethical. What offing a baby? Definitely. Yes, yes, but also. I don't know. I guess it's the whole uh, would you would you kill baby Hitler? I guess if you knew baby Hitler was going to become Hitler. True. I Cable would definitely not rescue baby 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 Hitler though. So I'm I'm going to trust Cable on this one. He's he's a good dad. Mm-hmm. Good dad Cable. What if he what if he doesn't actually have plans for the baby? He just was like, "Well, this baby's just going to need a dad." And the entire time he's going to try to go to like a specific Denny's. Because he just wants to take this baby to breakfast. We already know that Cable doesn't seem to actually realize that babies can't, that, that babies have to be given a bottle. So maybe he thinks he can take the baby out for waffles. <laughs> I know what happens with this baby. So I'm, I'm trying to not spoil it for you. Thank it's, you for that. It's going to completely blast your brain whenever uh, you realize what's happening because you've, you've read some more recent stuff. Should you should you sit behind by me with the, the microphone while I <laughs> use the go, last to capture the reaction noises? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get you. It's gonna uh-huh. get you good. Uh, Christy has tried not to read ahead mm-hmm. because she wants to have a really genuine experience. This is something we usually try to do in our podcast. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, what what's the what's the fun if uh, we're not going to have really genuine and and uh, very relevant reactions? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It it it's definitely fun to sit here and speculate on something that has been around for so long that people are very cognizant of how things turn out. But like, imagine you know, in five years, being able to like sit down and read Hoxpox and experience that without knowing you know what's coming because it was so much fun to read as it was coming out like i I think that's the that's the the beauty of sequential storytelling just that Mm. you know what's coming next and really having time to sit and marinate over something before just binging it all yeah so actually when when we do these in these chunks i think that you're you're probably getting a more authentic storytelling experience than i think the first time i read it all in like one night oh Yeah. yeah yeah i don't know I love these podcasts. It's like my favorite form of book report. <laughs> <laughs> book reports where we can do goofs. I loved book reports as kids. Oh, you're kids. no, you did. Yeah. Oh, I hated book reports. Uh, we. Had... I liked to think about books. I didn't like to summarize them. Well, maybe you did the wrong sort of book reports. I got to do really good, cool book reports in school. <sighs> we did not. Oh. Fifth grade, we had to do a ton of book reports, and I did not like any of them. Uh, I can't remember what grade, but one of the grades in middle school, like we had a quota of book reports oh, that yeah. we had to do for the year. Uh, and like, there weren't certain due dates. I think like they had to be turned in by a certain point, but you could turn them in whenever you wanted. So like me and another girl in class, like had this, you know, race to see who could get their book reports all turned in for the year the fastest. I won. Yep. 
Congrats, Christy. You are queen of the nerds. <laughs> I always think when I'm such a big dork that some of like the school things you do, like you are a way bigger dork. I, I love school. That's why I never left. <laughs> you literally never left. You there you didn't even have a year off. You went straight from school to school. Uh-huh. From high school to college to teaching. No, no. time off and then masters while teaching. Yep. No break. I don't I don't know what the rest of the world is like. <laughs> what is it like to go into like an office? What is it like to like not have bells interrupt your day? I don't know. You'll never know. I'll never know. You'll never know. <laughs> uh, you like book reports. The things I discover about you while doing this podcast. Uh, it's probably like what, why I like the the teen school books of uh, the X-Men the most. Oh, yes. That's true. That does seem to be your favorite. You've kind of enjoyed delving a little bit into Gen X. You like Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. You'd probably like this new X-Men run. Yeah. Uh, the the pitch seemed to, early on seemed to be making it more like Hogwarts. Oh, fun. Uh, they literally divide them into little houses. That, that eventually kind of, they're like, oh, this doesn't really work well for X-Men, but it was a thing for a little bit. Well, they're in like frat houses now. In, <laughs> in Hogs? In yeah, they kind of are. New <laughs> 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 <It> means forever! <laughs> Yeah, I'm real skeptical about how that learning arrangement's going to turn out. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> All right, I feel like we've gotten wildly off topic. What? Us? <laughs> no. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to, to delve into before we get uh, into our accolades? I loved the Lady Deathstrike fight. It was It was bloody. It was real rippy. It was like cool rippy though and not like it didn't feel gory it just like artistically it didn't give that like feeling to me it just kind of looked broken it was a lot of red but you know no one's guts were flying out or anything Mm -hmm. it was very like the like the the goriness that is like the crazy 88 fight from kill bill or yeah like i love yeah Remember the first time you saw Kill Bill, you were just like, this is a gorgeous movie. And I was worried you would get, like, grossed out by it. <laughs> no, I, f- I feel like I had the same sort of feeling about that fight. Mm-hmm. This is probably the first time that that uh, a Marvel artist has been compared to Quentin Tarantino, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, also sexualizing children. Does he do that? Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. Do you remember, the, like, the schoolgirl in the little s- skirt with the ball, like, the... That was not near as bad as this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. No, 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 no I remember right now. <laughs> uh, all right. So are we ready to get into accolades? Let's do accolades. All right, Chris, what is your best line? My best line comes from X-23, who is about to begin the fight with Lady Deathstrike and says, you call yourself Deathstrike, show me. Which just reminded me of, of, um, after Neo gets all the, gets, like, learns all the martial arts in the Matrix and he mm. just looks at Morpheus and goes, I know Kung Fu. And Morpheus leans in and goes, show me. <laughs> yeah, that is a really fun line. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. My best line comes from one of the Stepford Cuckoos. I'm I'm not sure which one. They don't do. A, they don't really distinguish very much in this one. So. No, no. And this comes from when they have a prodigy who's repairing Cerebra, and uh, <laughs> one of the Stepford Cuckoos comments that his mind has a really interesting structure, and then another says, "But we've tried, boys. Boys are trouble." <laughs> do you agree Kristen (laughs) I'm like I feel like I need some elaboration there but I like moved on very swiftly after that yeah what are they what are they implying with that is this is this some uh some some content I don't know but I I'm here for it (laughs) you're in regardless it's all true all right who was your greatest hero well 
There's one thing about this podcast that is that is very true. Mm-hmm. We love biscuits. Yes. Well, there's another thing about this podcast that is also very true. Yes. Chris loves a heroic sacrifice. Yeah. So I had to give it to Caliban. Yeah, I figured you would, which is why I felt more comfortable not giving it to Caliban. <laughs> You're like, nah, screw this dude. Like, okay, of, of my screenshots that I have, Caliban is on there, but I'm like, mm. Caliban maybe shouldn't have been running around with the kill crew when his power is finding people and they right. didn't give him anything else. Right. And also, like, of the two, like, thinking about which could have maybe handled some bullets, it's probably, like, the dude running away from them who's super big and beefy. I'm not... A, I could be wrong. Fairly sh- certain that Warpath has, like, slightly enhanced healing abilities as well. I don't think it's, like, to the Wolverine extent. Right. Like, it just seems like, you know, maybe not all of those would have hit him. He's a running target. It was a little bit, you know, tough. And, like, maybe he could have handled those. And But, like, Caliban just, like, dives into them. Like, Caliban. totally exposing, like, his whole chest and stomach cavity. Like, very much ensuring his so own sad. demise. It was really sad. I, I appreciate the self-sacrifice, but I'm not sure if it was necessary. Uh, how dare you? Just tell me your best, your greatest hero so I can laugh at it. <laughs> Mine's Beast. Okay. He's back in the hospital saving everybody. He stabilizes Hellion. He's like covered in blood and guts and totally exhausted. And he's just trying to do his best to make sure nobody dies. It is a rare and beautiful thing where Beast doesn't use science to do a, do a bad wrong. So <laughs> yeah, he's using his like science expertise in every possible area of science for good yeah you know it's 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 real it's real good stuff i was happy that hellion was gonna make it broken clocks right twice a day even (laughs) if it's beast (laughs) i had to give him this one he i don't think there's ever been a time i'm like yeah beast is the greatest hero in this one (laughs) well he gets his moment today (laughs) christy what's that coolest moment my coolest moment it was really hard to pick like a particular moment in the the fight with Lady Deathstrike, so I'm maybe gonna say all of it. I don't Lady Deathstrike in X twenty three. That whole fight was pretty cool, but there's also a pretty awesome fan- panel like when X Force just like shows up and Cable's like, "All right, get to peace out of here," and they're all taking on the Reavers, and it it just looks real cool and stabby. Lot lots of claws. Is this the X Force run you would want to read? X Force does spin off of this, maybe. Because you, you've never been, like, you've never told me about the 90s one, which, if you want, like, teen I mean, drama, the right. 90s one. Like, like, the early X-Force stuff, the stuff with Cable, is supposed to be, like, the really good stuff, right? Yes, although a lot of people believe it's bad because it's the 90s. But people just... The 90s had good stuff. It is no different than any other decade. It had good stuff. It had bad stuff. I mean, I feel like I've heard Charlie Davis speak very positively about it. Charlie Davis loves the original X-Force. Right. To put it incredibly mildly. <laughs> Charlie Davis loves X Force. Is putting it mildly, like saying, like, <laughs> like, uh, like Blazing Wings are like a little bit hot. <laughs> I like. I read all of it. It's great. Ugh. I read it up until it became Age of Apocalypse. But uh, Charlie is less fond of this run because uh, Wolverine's in it, and like, right? Wolverine being part of X Force is a more recent thought. But this is the next force that's like called by Cyclops, whereas the original one is completely independent. So I guess if if you're Cyclops and you're calling a team of stabby people, your your your, <laughs> your, your boyfriend Wolverine is probably up tops, right? Oh, all right, got we got a bit off track. But what was your coolest moment? My coolest moment was when Cable decides that he can't just get out of the Mack truck and then run in the door. He had to crash. The <laughs> Through the front glass wall of the Erie. (laughs) There's no time. Well, I think he was also fairly certain that, like, Forge had stuff that would just, like, shoot him down. So that was probably the same. He does just start, like, yelling, like, hey, 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 I got got to use the thing. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yep. Do you ever feel like Cable with that Mack truck when you're, like, driving home and you really have to go to the bathroom? (laughs) I don't. 
No, and you're no, like, you're I, like I would wanted, crash a Mac truck. I would never you. want to cause property destruction because well, that would be so much more headache than. Look, Christy, I'm speaking in hyperbole, but sometimes you've got that Mac truck bathroom feeling. Maybe you do. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe like that moment when you're at work and you've got only like a four minute passing time and you've really got to go and you've gotten to the like the one staff bathroom that's like within a 30 second walk of your classroom and it's occupied. <laughs> maybe that's my Mack truck bathroom feeling. <laughs> Readers, please tell us about your Mack truck bathroom <laughs> feeling. Don't, don't actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope that doesn't become the title of this episode. <laughs> oh, it, we're digging it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to that Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy. I've got to give it for the Nano Sentinels <laughs> in general. They decided to turn people into robots who would then pilot other robots, and I felt <laughs> like that was just unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like the the sentinels themselves i don't think were like affected or changed or anything they're just like yeah we're just gonna corrupt the the pilots mm-hmm. which couldn't you just have replaced the pilots with other i don't know i just don't know why it didn't just become one one, one entity, entity as opposed to <laughs> i just love the idea of a robot doing the joysticks on another robot <laughs> that seems like a lot what was your Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy? Uh, mine had to go to the cops in Cooperstown. Not that they're strictly villains in this story, but just their ineptitude um, as X-Force sneaks in behind them. This blew my mind because X-Force snuck in, did nothing. Caliban got his powers back and then was like, oh, I got him back. We can find him now. And then they're like, all right, let's just go. <laughs> They just really didn't need to be there. But yeah, the the ineptitude of the police when these people who are wearing costumes. I think they could have done a better job if they were just in plain clothes. Absolutely looks like a fox. Like crawling on all fours in full wolf mode. Just trotting along behind him. And he turns around and then somebody runs in front of him. And it's just. Oh, I know. It was it was comedic. It was some fun. Barney Five stuff. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, readers, that is going to be our episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week we are gonna we're or next week next episode we're gonna we're gonna finish this bad boy off. Yeah, and that's gonna be that's gonna be coming your way. But we're not gonna see you before then. So if you celebrate uh, a holiday in the next few weeks, regardless of what it is, we just wanted to wish you a happy one. Yeah, happy holidays. You um, may hear me on a Battle of the Atom, however, between now and next episode. That seems likely. Yeah. Well, assuming assuming all of this craziness this week goes as it should, I should be on the Christmas episode. Yeah, we've got a lot going on. Uh, the readers who maybe didn't see this, I am uh, taking on group editing Xavier Files' weekly articles is branching out to include other Marvel stuff. We're going to have articles about Thor, the the new Thor series by Donny Cates coming up, about the Al Ewing Guardians of the Galaxy, about uh, the current run of Captain Marvel, which you're writing with, with uh, writing partner Kat Purcell. Mm-hmm. And then... We are also going to be uh, – I I feel like this this run can't be going on for too much longer, but we wanted to tackle it anyway, the um, run on Immortal Hulk that is currently going. We're also going to be doing um, rotating casts of weekly short reviews, uh, about three of the more int- – or three kind of curated comics from – the week of Marvel. Mm-hmm. All of gonna... this in addition to our uh, Docs Talks. Yeah, that's still going on. Somebody mm-hmm. thought was worried that that was stopping. No, it's all it's all happening. It's all happening. Still doing Maritas. Also yep. going to be doing Captain C's. Yep. I'm still <laughs> going to be doing the main X title, which keeps getting delayed, which thus makes, I feel like, my job easier and easier. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, lots of, lots of places to catch us on the interwebs. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to catch this podcast on the interwebs, you could follow us at Chris's pod on Twitter or Facebook. You can email us on Chris's on infinite earths at gmail.com. We appreciate those five star reviews on all of your platforms. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a little sad not to get to read one out this week. Yeah, please get on it. Uh, if you can't give us an actual Christmas present, uh, honestly, taking five minutes to do a written five-star review is a fantastic Christmas present. We'd very much appreciate it. Yeah. I love some of the really creative ones we've had. Yeah, they're recently. really fun. Like They're like, oh, I know they're going to read this out on the show so because it's a five-star review. I'm going to read all those out. And so they're fun and quirky. Yeah. I like it. Keep it, keep it up. Keep it up, readers. We already mentioned Patreon, but if you want to give us one-time $3 increment donations, you can do so at www.kofi.com slash Chris's on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. Uh, $3, $6, $3,000. Mm-hmm. $3,000, and we will definitely cover a crossover of your choice. And my birthday is coming up. Yeah, uh, yes, Christy's birthday is December 27th, <laughs> so uh, please give her gifts. You don't know how to mail them. We're not. We're not nope. going. We're not going to say our address. <laughs> I've got an Amazon wish list, but it's just like all stuff I want for cosplays. Yeah, and it's stuff I have to buy you for your for your birthday, so nobody else can take them. Uh, yeah, but you you could copy us some uh, some some funds for my now uh, long box hunt for Gen X titles. <laughs> Yeah, since Generation X is just not really on Marvel Unlimited. There's like seven issues, ten issues, something. No, there's there's more than that. There's just big gaps. Like you Huge get to like gaps. you get to like issue eleven, and then it like skips eleven more issues. And and that's then, not helpful. And then yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's not great. I wanna I wanna read it all. I wanna have it all. I just. I felt like I had this confidence that with like Marvel Unlimited, if I anything that I wanted to go back and read, I could just go and read it. X Factor from the eighties is also like a glaring omission and it's like it like drives me crazy. <laughs> Even like some of the cool apocalypse stuff isn't in there super well. Ah, drives me nuts. Oh well. Um that's gonna completely do it for us. Yes. Thank you, readers, and until next time. Slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours.